Slava everyone, Slava Bogom, and welcome again. My name is Magda Lewandowska and this is Searching for the Slavic Soul, brought to you by Vitya. In the last few episodes we have been following the Slavic path, but today we are going to stray from it and we're going to visit the badlands of the Slavic native faith. The detour from our path is a is a result of an interview with a Żerca, which is a name of a Rodnoveri priest, and interview published recently on one of the Polish Rodnoveri blog, and I will put a link to this interview in the notes to this podcast, but the interview is in Polish. I didn't actually check how well it translates by Google Translate, but, you know, if anyone wants to read it in Polish, then, you know, you can do that. So today we are going to be so today we are going to be talking about the role of Żerca amongst our pre-Christian Slavic ancestors and basing on the interview with a modern Żerca we are going to talk also about the role that modern Żercas claim to play or want to play in Slavic native faith and as the title of this episode promises there is going to be an okay boomer moment too, so keep listening. As I mentioned in the introduction to this episode, Żerca is the name of a priest in the modern Slavic native faith. We don't know if originally in the pre-Christian medieval times Żerca was actually the name of the person or a name for the person who performed the religious rituals. We only assume it was. What we know is that Żerca or Żyżec or Żyrca was a name of an elder responsible for organizing traditional old Polish weddings in the times after the Christianization of the Slav in like 15th or 16th century. The name of a modern Slavic priest was reconstructed from a name of old Polish wedding official because it was assumed that the function of the traditional wedding official was a remnant of more important pre-Christian role. I know it might sound confusing, more like a guesswork than actual solid fact, but in Slavic studies, particularly while attempting to reconstruct pre-Christian Slavic traditions, pretty much everything we do is guessing in a more or less informed way. And the story of Żerca is actually more typical than you might think. Basically, the scholars who came up with the name of Żerca, so the name of a pagan Slavic priest, thought that there must have been a name of pagan Slavic priest, but they didn't know what the name was. So from looking into the Slavic folklore and the history of Slavic folklore, they knew that there was an old Polish name for a wedding official who traditionally was an elder. Knowing that, they figured that the wedding official had to have something to do with rituals and pagan tradition, so they took the old Polish word Żerca and applied it, or how it's usually said, reconstructed it as a name of a pagan Slavic priest. 
This reconstruction happened, I think, 70 or 80 years ago. And since then, the name Żerca have really caught up because now there's plenty of people who perform Slavic pagan rituals and call themselves Żercas. And one of those people, for the convenience of English speakers, I'll be calling this person David, was interviewed by a Polish Rodnowery blog. I happened to read this interview, and this is how we hear talking about Żercas in the 10th episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul. Would you believe this 10th episode already? I'm so proud of it. <laughs> Hopefully you know that this podcast, as well as the whole Vityas project, is about restoring the tradition of our pre-Christian ancestors. And particularly, the Vitya project is about taking the Judeo-Christian out of the pagan in the Slavic tradition. So, Żerca David, in his interview, gave uh, Vitya run for her money <laughs> with it, I swear. He, he mixed the pagan with Roman Catholics so much that it just took weeks to untangle it and try to, you know, just sort out through all of that. David started his interview with uh, talking about pagan tradition, about how we should all be drawing from it and following it because it is a tradition and religion of our ancestors. He obviously was speaking in Polish and the word he used in Polish is rodzime, which for the convenience of English speaker, I'm going to translate into Russian rodnoy because the Rodnoy word is what makes up the first part of the name Rodnoveri. The very is from Viera, which means faith, and the Rodno is from Rodnoy, which means familiar or native. So all put together, Rodnoveri means native faith, and because the name comes from like Slavic language, uh, Russian, for example, and it sounds very similar in other Slavic languages. In Polish, for example, is rodzima wiara. So, because rodnoveri comes from a Slavic language, it means that it is Slavic native faith. Żerca David went on about how we should all be rodnoi, and then he started talking about the responsibilities and the duties of Żerca, so the rodnoveri priest. And according to David, the main duty of Żerca is, quote, propagation of the Slavic native faith and performing rituals, unquote. And then he said that a Żerca takes on a lifelong responsibility to, quote, broaden the knowledge about deities, faith, Slavic values, the word, tradition and human nature, unquote as well as, again, quote, organize and lead rituals, divination, uphold cult, unquote. David did not explain what upholding cult is or means, but it doesn't really matter because if you go back to the pre-Christian tradition, none, none of what David said makes any sense anyway. Because, you know, in pre-Christian times, in the times when all our Slavic ancestors were pagan, nobody needed Żerca to propagate the Slavic faith because it was propagated by the family and the society. 
children born in Slavic families were brought up pagan, in the same way as nowadays children brought up in Roman Catholic families are brought up Roman Catholic. So there was really no need for a priest or żerca or not to propagate the faith. It kind of propagated itself really. And by the way, there also wasn't any native Slavic missionaries <laughs> spreading the Slavic religion around the world. The, the Slavic native faith as all pagan systems of beliefs don't have missionaries or like designated propagators of religion because converting people actively getting other people to accept your god is the domain of monotheistic religion like judeo-christian religion it's not a pagan thing as to educating or broadening the knowledge being a traditional or rodnoy duty of żerca well, it's, it's, it's just bonkers, really. Back in the early medieval, let's say, 7th or 8th century, there was no libraries, no, no books, colleges, universities, or scholars to teach pagan theology, <laughs> Slavic or not. There was no research facilities to broaden the knowledge about deities and faith and Slavic values and the world tradition and human nature, unquote. So how did Żerca David come up with this list of duties of the Rodnoveri priest? Um, well, he it, it looks like he just drew, he drew from tradition, but not pagan tradition. He took it directly from Judeo-Christian tradition, where priests do traditionally have to broaden their knowledge and propagate their religion and and uphold cult. So. Żerca David took all the responsibilities and duties of a Judeo-Christian priest, he threw in some divination and pagan rituals and voila, we have the duty of a Żerca, like really, <laughs> because you know, Slavic tradition is not Christianized enough, so let's just add some more Roman Catholic to make it just, just right, I swear, it's, it's just bonkers what these people are doing. If you, if you read further into this interview, you'll find even more flowers like that. <laughs> For example, when Żerca David talks about the services that Żerca's provide for the Rodnovers, he calls those services a ministry of a priest. <laughs> Seriously, ministry of a priest. This is the sort of language that is used in the interview and, you know, Polish language, which obviously is spoken in the interview, is Polish language is, there. I say, much more flexible than English. I mean, you know, I mean absolutely no offense to English language, but Polish really is so much more flexible and allows so much more creativity. Polish language really, truly offers a lot of option to name the services that are provided by Żerca. And out of all those options, all those possible combinations of words, Żerca David went for a ministry of a priest. <laughs> and wait for it. He actually was surprised when I called him out on it. Seriously, he, he was. Uh, to make this thing even more funny, or 
no, or sad, however you want to look at it, Rzeca David listed some of the tasks that have to be performed with, within this traditional, like quote-unquote traditional ministry of a priest. <laughs> and these tasks, according to David, include explaining to the followers, quote, the hardship and the joy of faith and its real impact on life both here and in the afterlife, unquote. Another task is, quote, talking with the Rodnovers about life and their spiritual struggle, unquote. And also, uh, according to Żerca David, Żercas are supposed to support, <laughs> quote, the education of future Żercas, and they're supposed to focus, like, unquote, and they're supposed to focus on, quote, on appropriate quality of priesthood in Slavic native faith, unquote. <laughs> and he also says that all those tasks, the, you know, callings of the pagan ministry of a priest is for life. <laughs> so, so, you know, once you decide to become a Szerca, it's like, for life, you doomed. You forever have to explain stuff to the followers, you know, all the hardship and joy and spiritual bloody struggle and, and life and whatever. And you have to lifelong educate yourself and, you know, educate others, Żercas, and it all has to be appropriate quality, which... <laughs> Actually, I don't know who checks the quality, really, because we don't have any textbooks or gold standards or pretty much anything that can tell us what a pre-Christian Żerca did or how it was done, but no worries, <laughs> Żerca David will teach you, like he'll teach all of us and he will test the quality comparing it with the gold standards of, I don't know, the Holy Bible, I suppose, because what other standard of quality can be used here? Because, you know, the original Slavic pagan tradition does not have any first-hand pagan written sources, and most certainly nothing written by Żercas. And by the way, all the Żercas, or however they were called, they are dead. And they have been dead for like a thousand years. So, you know, the original Slavic and pagan priest can not check the quality, but, you know, it's all fine. Żerca David will sort it all out, no worries. He'll get the Catholic canon law, rewrite it, and will make the ministry of a priest pagan again. And of course, we must not forget that he'll make it Rodnoy too. Now, I've mentioned the Catholic canon law because, believe me or not, when dissecting the interview with Żerca David, I did actually end up reading a code of Catholic canon law for, <laughs> believe it or not, for reference. <laughs> and it turned out that 
with exception of obviously divination and performing pagan rituals, every other duty or responsibility of Żerca mentioned by David is literally taken straight out of guidelines for Roman Catholic priests. The talking to the followers, explaining the hardship and joy, you know, and the spiritual struggle and the education and the quality of priesthood too. And, of course, propagating the religion too, because as it turns out, actually every Christian, not only Roman Catholic, should be a missionary and should spread the word about Jesus. Which I didn't know that, even though I was brought up Roman Catholic, so I don't know, I guess I didn't, I didn't pay attention in the Sunday school, but by the look of it, Żerca David did. He must have paid a lot of attention because in his interview he also had a go at pride and greed and sloth and even in an indirect way he had a go at lust, which are the deadly sins of Christianity, but according to Żerca David, Rodnovers shouldn't be doing it either because it's not traditional and not Rodnoy to be proud and lazy and to want to have stuff. According to Żerca David, a true and proper Rodnover should follow the rules of decency, perseverance, patience and self-discipline and he, should, he or she should avoid, I quote the interview here, materialism, lack of humility, mistaking pleasure for what's good or rampancy for freedom, unquote. A proper Rodnover should also avoid, quote, convenience, ignorance and reluctance to work hard or to sacrifice, unquote. He or she should not be chasing money and follow in the steps of previous generations who, instead of being traditional and Rodnoy, these bad previous generations choose, quote, a murky urban web of rivalry and dependence, unquote. I swear, this is a direct quote from the interview. And by the way, Żerca David also talked about, <laughs> quote, carelessness of entire generations which do not want to waste time on such inefficient relic like faith or superstition, unquote. For real, that's all that was said in the interview. Basically, to cut the long story short, according to David, a Slavic Żerca following the pre-Christian tradition has to, like a good Christian, suffer and languish and live in poverty and work hard and humbly in the name of the higher Slavic values. Similarly, according to Monsignor David, should leave every single Rodnover, otherwise he or she risks ceasing to be Rodnoy. So, as you can imagine, I read all of it and then a few of my friends read it and we were all like, what the actual hub? Like, where did it come from? I mean, this guy, this David, this Żerca, he claims to have read 
like over 120 books on history and Islamic tradition, he claims to have spent over a decade on studying and he does not know that pretty much everything our ancestors did was to get or keep or multiply material goods. Like, you know, in early medieval times, pretty much all you did was to work your ass off just to have stuff because food, warm clothes, roof over your head, weapons, livestock, maybe even, you know, a pretty necklace or something. Those were all material goods and they were cherished and desired by our ancestors. Let's take, for example, a, a linen shirt, a simple linen shirt our ancestors had to labor for a year or something like that to get. Because back in those times, everything was done by hand, like, and from scratch. So in order to have a, a linen shirt, you had to get some linen. And to do that, you had to plant it. And to do that, you have to have a field. And to get a field, you had to like literally, this is what people did back in those days, slash and burn the forest. So you can have a field where the forest naturally grows. You just, you know, slash and burn it. And then you get a field. And by the way, to slash and burn the forest, you need tools to like, I don't know, a knife or an axe, which obviously you had to make first which took time and effort too, but let's just stick with the linen because if we start talking about making tools, we'll be here until tomorrow. So after you slashed and burned the forest, you had to prepare the land for sowing the linen. So you had to plow the land to soften the soil. And obviously you needed a plow to do that, which is a tool, but let's don't even go there. And after you prepared the soil, only then you could actually, you know, put your seeds in the soil so they can grow. Obviously, the seeds needed time to grow. So after the linen grew, you still had to harvest it and then spend another few weeks or months to extract the fiber from the plant. So then you can, so you can take the fiber and spin it by hand with a spindle only. You had to spin enough thread to weave it into a fabric and this fabric was used to make a shirt obviously by hand so before you could sew the shirt you needed to get yourself a needle which also had to be made by hand so we have loads and loads and loads of work and effort just to get a linen shirt just to look better more sophisticated because you know who would want to wear an animal hide all the day long Perhaps animal hides do the job as well as a linen shirt does, but it doesn't look good, does it? Linen shirt looks better. So our ancestors labored for a year to look better. If that's not being materialistic and vain, I don't know what is. And I'm not even going to mention the production cycle of such material goods like food or pottery, <laughs> which... By the way, our vain and materialistic ancestors decorated. Like, how dare they be so materialistic? I mean, who needs decorated pottery? It's vanity at its purest. And by the way, all these material goods, so food, pottery, linen, all of it, 
in the medieval times, those e-items were used to trade. So all this stuff was money too. <laughs> so it can be said with 100% certainty that our pre-Christian Slavic ancestors chased money and material goods all the bloody year long, like all the time. And whoever didn't want to chase the money or didn't feel like to, they just died. Because all this stuff like food and clothes and weapons and I don't know, good quality, so expensive tools, all these material goods kept our ancestors alive. There is a very good reason why three quarters, if not more, of demons in Slavic mythology have something to do with material goods and wealth, with, you know, getting it, keeping it, or making more of it. What more, there are Slavic folk tales which suggest that our ancestors considered it to be a blessing to acquire wealth without any work or effort. One of those stories is the legend of the fern flower, a magical flower that can only be found once a year on the night of Kupawa. And anyone who finds the fern flower automatically gets a blessing from the gods and from then on he or she lives in wealth and prosperity and health and has all the good stuff. So it's clear that pre-Christian Slavs considered it a blessing, so something good to get stuff for free <laughs> without the hard work and the sacrifice and the hardship and self-discipline or whatever else Zerca David wants the modern Rodnover to suffer in the name of the Rodnoy tradition. So all the convenience, ignorance and reluctance to work hard or sacrifice all those things were actually not hated or rejected by our ancestors. Quite the opposite. All the evidence indicates that every pre-Christian Slavs wanted to have a convenient and lazy life, although surely not very many managed to get it. It also doesn't appear to be true that our ancestors disliked cities, living in the cities or urban lifestyle in general. After all, Nobody forced our ancestors to organize themselves, to cooperate, build bigger settlements and then expanding them into craft and trade centers like Arkona or Szczecin, which, according to historical sources, were not only in medieval standards urban areas, they were not only large, not only rich, and most certainly with, quote, <laughs> murky urban web of rivalry and dependence, unquote. On top of that, those pre-Christian settlements were full of native born and bred Slavs who were not humble, who chased money, including organizing raids with the sole purpose of looting. But somehow, despite all of the things that Zerca David considers not Rodnoy and not traditional, those early medieval Slavs, our ancestors, somehow managed to be Rodnoy and follow the original Slavic native faith. Funny enough, I did actually manage to get a bit of conversation out of Zerca David and I managed to get him to comment about the, the looting the original pagan Slavs did. And you will never believe what he said. What he said, basically, 
was that the looting of pre-Christian Slavs, the looting pre-Christian Slavs did, it was okay because firstly, it was done by young males and secondly, it was done for the primary purpose of gaining honor in a battle and, you know, showing bravery. But other than that, Rodnovers shouldn't chase money and be materialistic because um, I don't really know why. He did not explain it at all, so I guess we should all live in poverty because Zerca David says so. So basically, what is Zerca David saying is if you are a young male and you are rich enough to go looting because you know, a looting raid is not cheap at all. You you need to have weapons and armor and you need to like pay for it or have them made or make it make it yourself. You have to have some mode of transportation, like a boat, for example. And on top of it, you have to have enough wives or slaves <laughs> to run your household for you when you are out looting. So it's not cheap at all. It's more of an investment, this looting business. So yeah, if you are a young, rich enough male and you are hungry for fame and you're willing to show your bravery, you absolutely can go looting and steal and slaughter for the sole purpose of getting wealthy. But if you're not male and not young and not well off, then, then you should stay where you are in misery and poverty. Uh, like, okay, Boomer, if you say so. I mean, this is just classic. It, it doesn't get any better. This, this person, this Zerca, fortunate enough to be born in a time and place that allow him to gather enough wealth to be able to buy 120 academic books, and they're not cheap, to have time to read them all, while at the same time being ahead of his family, so presumably provide for this family and run a religious organization and perform rituals and talk to all these people he claims to be talking to. And I mean, what Zerca David did with or in his life, it really requires a lot of resources to have time, to have a hobby for starters to have time and energy to do something else than working for living, like how rare is that? I mean, I am a vet, a, a veterinary surgeon, not a veteran. And for the first 10 years of my career, I had no time to do anything other than working so I can pay my bills and, you know, other commitments and feed my family, which really isn't that big, is just two people, me and my daughter. And I consider myself really privileged because there's plenty of people that cannot afford to get the education, the qualification like I have. So those people have to work two or even three jobs just to get paid what I am being paid doing only one job. So I am privileged, I am fortunate, but still for years I worked and worked like 10, 12, 14 hours shift just to get food on my table. And at the end of the day, I was so tired that I just went to sleep and the next day I woke up to do it all over again. I had no time, no energy, no money to have a hobby to buy all these books and then read them. But Zerca David tells me and tells most of you too, that, you know, we chase money and we should stop. Uh, this person who is really swimming in privileges, 
actually he has the audacity to tell others that they should work hard, sacrifice and be bloody humble. And they should stop being materialistic and chasing money because they cannot do it right. Because the only people who can do it right are people like him, just younger. And then those younger versions of Żerca David get the wealth, stealing and looting in the name of honor and glory. And when they accumulate even more of what they already have, this is when they start to live humble life. They stop being materialistic and stop chasing money and start telling others to bloody sacrifice and this self-discipline. I mean, if this is not a privileged boomer's philosophy, I don't know what is. This is just so, so sad that things like that are happening and being said in the Rognoveri community. It, it's even more sad because it seems Żerca David is a respected person, well, at least in one of Polish Rodnoveri group, but there's many of them, but one of them respects Żerca David. And I just keep thinking and thinking, uh, trying to figure out where are all those Rodnovers who chase money and are materialistic. I mean, I don't know a single person, Rodnover, pagan, Christian or completely atheist, I don't know a single person who is materialistic or, you know, chase money. And I know quite a lot of people who work bloody hard, including myself. But all those hardworking people I know, they work hard because they have to. They have to work to provide for themselves and their families. They don't do it for the love of money or to get rich or, you know, swim in cash or whatever. They do it to secure some future for themselves and for their family. To, to buy a house or a flat or to save money for their children's college fund. I mean, I, I do know two workaholics and they are both well off, but they don't work for money. They, they work because for many reasons, working hard 70, 80 hours a week is, is the only way they can relate and interact with other people and the world in general. They cannot function outside of working and work environment. They are not materialistic. They are in a way damaged. And believe me, it's no fun for them. I also know one person who spends more money than they have. It's not fun for them either because buying stuff is the only way they can feel the emptiness in their souls. It's, it's the only way they can feel something. So they are also not materialistic, they are damaged and they don't chase money, they in a way are running away from it because for them buying stuff is not about stuff or money, it's about running away from everything, it's about forgetting the sadness and the emptiness, you know. This is why it's called shopaholism, it's, it's an addiction, it's a disease. And now I, I know for a fact that learning about and following the Slavic tradition could help those workaholics and this shopaholic I know. But if they hear the, the, the rubbish coming out of Zerza's David's mouth, they will straight away conclude that Slavic tradition is not for them. Because Zerza David is rejecting them before they even started. He's offending them before he even met them. So with his interview, Żerca David has already lost three potential new Rodnovers, but he claims he's promoting Slavic, Slavic native faith, like 
really? If, if talking rubbish, completely made up stuff about some Rodnoy bloody tradition that has nothing to do with paganism and everything to do with Roman Catholicism, if this is propagating Slavic native faith, then I'd rather you don't do it, David. Just don't. Leave it. It won't work. Another thing that Zreca David mentioned and suggested in his interview was that according to Slavic tradition, or rather the tradition that David preaches, which we know now is not really Slavic tradition, but let's not overcomplicate things here. So let's just say that in David's opinion, in Slavic tradition, Zerca should have a high position among Rodnovers, should be respected and looked upon with deference. Which is not really a big surprise here. I mean, David not only calls himself a Zerca, but also clearly has an ego and a half. So it's no wonder that he wants others to look up to him and respect him. However, if we look into what we actually know about the pre-Christian Slavs, it turns out that we truly do not know a lot about Slavic Zerzas. We don't even know how they were called. We made it up. So we don't know a lot about pre-Christian Slavic priests, most certainly not enough to be able to say if the priest, the original pre-Christian Slavic faith priests, if they were respected or not. And now, we do know something about the priests among Poabian Slavs, so the Slavic tribes that settled and live along the Elbe River, on the land that in modern times is Eastern Germany. Poabian Slavs were the most Western living Slavic people, and because of that, they had most contacts with the Christian tradition. They had contacts with the Christians and Christianity in general, mostly through war, but also through trade or diplomatic or missionary missions for 200 years or something like that. And you know, 200 years is a lot of time. In less than that, Vikings, so the you know Norse people, they completely abandoned their gods and culture and assimilated fully with the locals after invading Sicily or Normandy or, or Novgorod, which later became Kiev and Irush. So the Poabian Slavs were exposed to Christian culture and the concept of priesthood for a long, long time. And therefore, many scholars think that they actually became, in a way, Christianized. Because Poabian Slavs had temples and something that resembles a caste of professional priests. And a part of Poabian Slavs, no other Slavic tribes had temples and professional priests. So some scholars or historians think that the temples and the professional, the existence of professional priests among Poabian Slavs were, was a result of Christianization. However, some scholars think that it was just a natural evolution of Slavic religion. And if you look at the arguments of both sides, actually both seem to be right. <laughs> so really there's no way of saying which one is right. Were the Poabian Slavs Christianized or was their religion just far more developed than anywhere else on the Slavic land? And now I really don't know which one is right. I kind of think that most likely the truth, the, the right, is somewhere in the middle. But just because I think so, it doesn't make it right. However, if you look at other Slavic tribes and traditions, Zercas as a, or priests as a respected social class are actually nowhere to be found. 
No other Slavic tribes had Zerca, so whatever the name of the professional priest was. So maybe if you want to reconstruct the religion of Polabian Slavs, you could call it Polabian Rodnoveri and have professional, respected, looked upon priests there. But if you want to follow a tradition of any other Slavs, there's no priest there. Most certainly no professional ones with temples and responsibilities and... I don't know, code of conduct. But if we look at the topic from a different angle, it becomes even more complicated. So if we look at, for example, linguistics, look into the etymology of the, uh, of the word żerca, and I, I did use three etymological dictionaries, a Polish, a Russian, and a Proto-Slavic one. And to try to understand the root of the word Zerca, even though we aren't actually sure if it's the right name, but I checked it just in case, just to, you know, for the sake of checking. So I looked through the dictionaries and I found out that the word Zerca, which is currently used as a name of Rodnoveri priest, converges etymologically with the word Zrec, which means to eat or to gobble up. Those words, the one for a priest and the one for gobbling up, they converge in Church Slavonic, Old Church Slavonic, Proto-Slavic and Old Indo-Aryan or Sanskrit. Those are all Indo-European languages. I'm, I'm not going to go deeper into linguistic here because I would have to attempt to pronounce foreign and unknown to me languages and as you can hear yourself, with my thick Polish accent, I can barely pronounce a foreign known language, such as English. So I'm not going to produce myself in Old Church Slavonic or, you know, Sanskrit. <laughs> but you are most welcome to visit Vitya's blog and find all the elements of the etymological analysis there. What am I going to say is there is a lot of convergences between eating and being a priest in the Slavic, Proto-Slavic and other Indo-European languages, which is not a big wonder because from other historical sources we know that part of what a Zerca or a pagan priest had to do, pagan Slavic priest had to do, was drinking the blood of sacrificial animals and perhaps even eating the meat of sacrificial animals, the part of the meat that was offered to gods. Because, as I am sure you know, among our ancestors, most of the meat of sacrificial animals was eaten in a ritual feast. It wasn't like burned completely. It was used up in a ritual feast. So the Zerca, the priest, the person who led the sacrificial ritual had to drink blood, obviously fresh, uncooked blood, and possible even eat raw meat. And that was going down in times where there wasn't any veterinary inspections or, you know, standards of food hygiene. So the only way to make an animal product safe for a human was to cook it. And if you didn't cook the blood or meat, you could get seriously ill, like really seriously ill. You could get salmonella, dysentery, listeria, like a whole bunch of tapeworms, including some that settle in your brain, 
you could get you know a whole range of diseases potentially even get infected with tuberculosis or rabies that's you know this is serious deadly stuff obviously pre-christian slavs didn't know that viruses or bacteria exist but they also were not dumb they were smart enough to figure out the medicinal use of plants so they could as well have guessed that eating raw meat or blood is not safe or healthy for a human particularly considering that some of the diseases you can catch from raw meat or blood have like 24 or 48 hours incubation period so you if you eat the raw meat you pretty much the next day you ill so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there is something wrong with the raw stuff so it is just my hypothesis mind you what if our ancestors chose for żercas people whose importance or usefulness for the community was low or limited by for example age or physical disability so you know if they died from all the rows from eating all the raw stuff it wouldn't actually be a big loss i mean choosing people affected by some sort of physical disability to be the intermediaries between humans and the gods is a part of slavic tradition after all we see it or rather until very recently we saw it on ukraine and Belarus, where for centuries existed a function of lernik who was a traveling musician performed religious songs took part in rituals and traditionally was blind and the funny thing about lerniks is that they actually were not respected they were feared and that's a difference when they approached a village they were treated with reverence out of fear they were allowed to do their jobs like the you know the singing and performing but nobody let them stay in the village for longer let alone let them have a temple or you know settle in the community and be a part of it i will link up an article about learnings in the notes to this episode so you can read more about them uh, because if i start talking about them here and analyzing them we'll be stuck in these episodes for another two hours or something and i'm actually already talking longer than i planned so let's just stop here and summarize because because what i really want to say here is that i have absolutely no doubts that Zerza david and others like him mean well seriously I'm, I'm sure they say the things they say and do the things they do because they really truly care about the slavic native faith they want to see the faith succeed and they want to see it being followed by more people so in order to make it familiar or you know rodnoy for slavs particularly slavs in poland because as you most likely know poland is a very very catholic country so in order to get to all these catholics in poland what do you do you, you make the slavic native faith catholic <laughs> and through this catholicization you make the pagan faith more rodnoy i know it sounds bonkers but however you look at it Zerca david has to be bonkers at least a little bit to be saying the things that he's saying with a straight face 
But regardless of how bonkers or not bonkers Żerca David is, I'm sure he truly cares about furthering and developing the Rodnovery movement and making it stronger, which is really a very important lesson to all of us, to, to, to me, to you, to every Rodnover. And actually, there are two lessons here. The first one is to always think critically and analyze and to never take anything to, for granted, even if it's said by a respected Żerca with 120 books and a fancy linen robe, because it's not that difficult to look legit, but to actually be legit is a completely different story. And the other lesson here is be aware of the traps and the illusions of the known, the familiar and the rodnoi. We were all, or maybe most, almost all of us were brought up in some sort of Judeo-Christian tradition, which is fundamentally different from the pagan Slavic tradition. Because of that, because of our, you know, exposure to Judeo-Christian tradition, the things that look right, legit and, you know, rodnoi to us, they don't necessarily have to be legit, right and rodnoi from a pagan point of view. So not only be aware that others can be wrong, but also, or maybe most importantly, be aware that you too can be wrong. If you rely on intuition and don't check your facts properly, and then check once more, just to be sure, and maybe once again too, because you know, you never know. <laughs> so uh, that is actually all I had to say for today. I truly hope it wasn't too long, too much and too boring and too mean. I try to stick to the facts. <laughs> uh, whatever you think about this or what I said today or any previous episodes of Searching for the Slavic Soul or about the Vitya project in general, do let us know. You can contact us via our website, which is witia.squarespace.com. That's witia.squarespace.com. Or via our Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. And you can also email us on witia.daboru at gmail.com. So once more, witia.daboru at gmail.com. And for now, take care, stay safe, and hopefully until next episode. Swabam.